0: Je voudrais, si je peux, vous emmener dans un voyage étrange.
1: Welcome everyone to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Adam Campbell. It is great to have you. It's November 20th, and I've got a great show for you this week. First off, I just want to give a little birthday shout-outs. I normally don't do this, but because one of the birthdays happened yesterday... Sonny Bellavance, Warlock Sonny Bellavance, and he's going to be on the show uh, for the Creature Feature segment for the Metal Invaders interview. I thought I'd give him a little happy birthday, even though it's a day late here on the show. And actually, as you guys are reading, it could be up to, or listening, it could be up to a week late. Um, also, today is Warlock Bloodfire, a good friend of mine. Happy birthday, man. All right, so let's start the show proper, shall we? My wife started a new job recently. I had mentioned that she had uh, gotten a new job. And it, our dog has been reacting to this the worst of all. <laughs> like, the, the the kids are great being in daycare and school. Uh, there seems to be no problems there. But our dog, we're trying to kennel train it. And it's just this tiny little, you know, shih tzu dog. <clears throat> so... It's, it's a challenge. The kennel that we have for it is a little bit big. And from the reading, we've found that if small dogs have too big of a kennel, then they will find a spot that they will go poop in because they have the space to roam. And normally dogs don't poop where they sleep. So you need an appropriately sized kennel for this size of dog that you have. Apparently ours is too big because our dog is pooping a lot. So we come home and the house reeks of dog shit. It is terrible. Uh, Not looking forward to uh, coming home every day (laughs) since she's been working. Uh, You know, it's it's just one of those humps that if if you're a dog owner or if you're an animal owner, until you can go through the motions of training, you know, it's these little things that you just kind of have to deal with. And so it's not really bad compared to what you get back. And I can tell you personally, I get a lot more out of this dog than the poop she leaves in her kennel every once in a while. So that's going to be a struggle. However, uh, I still absolutely adore the animal. I think she is an amazing creature and a lot of fun to be around. There's these sparks. Uh, because we've only had her for I think still under a month actually. And there are these sparks of personality that come out, which are amazing. And it it just sort of reinforces that idea that, you know, we are animals. And so it's not surprising that animals themselves have these really quirky behaviors, these really individualistic uh, uh, behaviors, uh, personalities really shine through. And, you know, she is absolutely no, um, she absolutely has her own as well. So uh, it's great. Uh, I do want to uh, announce a contest here. This is not for nine cents, but this is for my children's book, How Crow Got a Scare Back. Um, I'm going to be doing a another contest for Thanksgiving. And it's because I have a I, I love Thanksgiving. I mean, I I'm one of the people that absolutely adores the holiday. Not necessarily for the reason that we celebrate the holiday, but I love being around loved ones, people that I cherish, that I hold in high esteem and <laughs> breaking bread with them just eating and then laying on the floor and just being stuffed and full um i love i love the fact that i get an entire day to indulge and uh, it's encouraged and i i just i think it's i think it's a great way to spend a day you get time off work you get to spend the day with your family you get to eat amazing home cooked food and you get to drink and just play board games or laugh or tell stories and just sort of have a great day. It's just, you know, there's no pretension to this holiday. There's no expectation to this holiday. It's just an excuse for us to get together and celebrate each other in our own individual ways. And for that... I'm going to start the contest, I actually started it officially on Saturday, but if you email info at adampcampbell.com a picture of your Thanksgiving bird, now this can be a pre-cooked bird, this can be a post-cooked bird, this can be a post-consumed bird, carcass, and if your bird is a burger, because you don't have anyone, or you're not capable of cooking a turkey, or you just have no need or desire, if your bird is a veggie platter, uh, it doesn't matter. Send in a picture, and you're going to be entered into the contest. And I know with the Halloween one, I ended up giving everyone a free digital copy of my book. I don't think that's going to happen again, but I am going to be randomly selecting from the entries. So, uh, if you want to have a free digital copy of my book, awesome. Send me a picture. Uh, And I think that's going to be it for the the pre-show here. Let's talk about what we have to give you for the regular show, shall we? In The Devil's Advocate, part two of nine of How to Be a God or a Devil. Never be fashionable. In The Infernal Informant, military moves in as violence rages in streets of Cairo. And, lazy, Obama calls Americans hardest working people on Earth. (laughs) Really? All right, let's hear what he says. In The Creature Feature, as I already mentioned... Warlock Sonny Belavance, with my Metal Invaders interview. Now this is actually going to be, more likely than not, the last of the Radio Free Satan series. There are a couple other podcasters that are a part of the network, um, but they have either not responded to my requests at all, um, for whatever reason, it's not a big deal, or have declined, for whatever reason, it's not a big deal. So... If there's someone else on the network that you listen to that you would love to hear talk uh, to me about their show, reach out to them and ask them. You know, maybe we can, uh, a little peer pressure. (laughs) Everyone's doing it. I'll like you if you do it. (laughs) Uh, Otherwise, I do have a lot of other great guests uh, lined up here in the queue. So uh, a, a lot of really great episodes left in this year. And in the Bizarre of the bazaar, I am going to do a Bizarre of the bazaar, and I'm going to give you a little teaser right now, the line between loving your animal and bestiality. (laughs) That's right, I'm going to go there and we're going to talk about it, and it's going to be probably greatly offensive to a lot of you out there who live on that line between loving your animal and bestiality, and I'm going to point out what that line is as I see it at least. (laughs) And I think after the discussion, many of you will agree with me and probably change some of your behavior, or at the very least, think twice about doing what you're doing. And that's going to be the entirety of the show, so let's dive in right now with The Devil's Advocate as Nine Cents, for yet another amazing week, hits you home right in the breadbasket now. In this arid wilderness of steel... In stone, I raise up my voice that you may hear. To the east and to the west I beckon. To the north and to the south, I show a sign proclaiming. A death to the weakling, wealth to the strong. Can I get a hail Satan? I said, can I get a hail Satan? We are the devil's advocates. Welcome to The Devil's Advocate. As always, let me preface this segment by saying that I am a Satanist. I am a member of the Church of Satan, but I do not speak for the Church of Satan. That is all. Part 2 of 9, How to Be a God with the Devil. This is uh, found in The Devil's Notebook by none other than Anton Zander LeVay. If you don't own this book, get off your tuchus and get out there and buy it. It's an amazing, amazing book. Uh, this article actually resonates with me. I mentioned it last week a little bit. I'm going to say it again. For whatever reason, I've always seen myself as a god. Before I even was introduced to the Satanic Bible, um, I, I referred to myself as such. I I was working out, I, I remember distinctly, uh, right after junior high, into high school with uh, some seniors. I think I was a, a junior or a sophomore. Um, and I was really big into working out, and we you know, we're really just macho and I just always saw myself as my own God, which always struck a chord with my family as weird and uh, they didn't really understand it. And I got to be quite honest, I didn't fully understand what I meant by it until years later after having read the, the Satanic Bible. But at the time, it was just something that always rang true for me. I am in control. I am the one improving my life. I am the reason I'm doing well or poorly in whatever endeavor I undertake. I am the cause. And if there can be any definition of a God, it is that. The ultimate influence in your life. The one who directs you, who aids you. Well, that's me more than anything else. And so when I read this, how to be a god or the devil, I just thought, wow, these are, these, these nine points are very, they're very succinct. They're very uh, powerful. I've never thought of it in these terms before. Part two, I'm going to bring it to you today. And that is never be fashionable, always be mysterious and enigmatic. And what he means here by this, and I'm not going to give you, you know, I'm not going to read verbatim here the the second part because I, I really do want you to go out and buy the book, not because I get anything out of it, because I think you will, um, but also because you should hear what the doctor's specific view on it is because it's the original. Uh, I'm going to give you mine here. Never be fashionable. Have you ever have you ever thought of someone as being more than human? Uh, your your favorite musician, your uh, your favorite teacher uh, growing up through the grades, uh, the most powerful influential person. Have you ever n- noticed that they are completely out of what is, the norm or the popular in the moment you know we live in a world where human beings are constantly cycling through what we think is appealing and we do it for social reasons we're doing it for popularity we're doing it to attract a specific individual um, we're doing it just so we're not in the bottom of society but it's always for some version of acceptance and it's never for individual reasons And that's why when you think of these really powerful people in your lives, you realize that they never were popular at the time. Now trends may have followed their behavior, but they never followed other people's trends. They weren't trying to be fashionable. It's very possible that they were fashionable because people followed them as mentioned. But again, that is not because they were trying. They were just being themselves and popularity followed. People see strength in individuality and try to copy it, try to mimic it. They try to seize on that, and that's when it changes yet again into a new, cool, popular look or fashion. Gods don't do that. We don't care. Fashion is not an, it is not even on the radar. We are concerned with individual accomplishment, success, and worth. That has nothing to do with social approval. And that's why it's not so shocking to find a vast majority of Satanists want nothing to do with the society we live in. We're not concerned with these current fashion trends. We're not concerned with uh, what's on TMZ and what the latest Hollywood actor is wearing or the latest whore that is trying to be popular because of some MTV show or some rich acquaintance. It doesn't matter. What matters is what is powerful in you, not what you put on your back. So when you think of the more powerful people around you, and you think of those Satanists that always ring a chord with you individually, they always have their own sense of fashion, their own sense of aesthetic. That's why it's a sin, (laughs) a lack of aesthetics. You need to find what you are happy with, and that is the only justification you need to look the way you look, because it's what you like. It has nothing to do with society around you, nothing to do with what's popular at the moment. Who cares? So, part two of nine, never be fashionable. Nothing else needs to be said. Let's move over to the infernal informant. 40 a darkness, earthquakes! Volcanoes that are rising from the grave.
0: Human sacrifice delves and casts running together a mass hysteria. Oh, and the entire informant.
1: This is a New York Times article from their Middle East World section. Military moves in as violence rages in streets of Cairo. By David D. Kirkpatrick. Cairo. Egypt's interim military rulers battled a reinvigorated protest movement calling for its ouster Sunday, as thousands of demonstrators forced troops to retreat from Tahir Square for a second night in a row. Many compared the breadth and intensity of the new battles for the square, the iconic heart of the Egyptian revolt and the Arab Spring, and the early days of the uprising against former President Hosni Mubarak. Only this time, the target of the protesters' ire was the ruling military council and its leader, Field Marshal Mohammed Hussein Tantawi. The military-led government attempts to beat back or squash the protests appeared only to redouble their strength. And After using tear gas, rubber bullets, and birdshot to beat back a day of continuous attacks on the headquarters of the Interior Ministry, hundreds of soldiers and security police in riot gear stormed the square from several directions at once, about 5 p.m., raining down rocks and tear gas as they drove thousands of demonstrators "...out before them. But after less than a half an hour, they had retreated, having succeeded only in burning down a few tents in the middle of the square, and after about another half an hour, the crowd of protesters had more than doubled, packing the square as ever more demonstrators marched in from all directions, chanting for the end of military rule. The protests spread to at least seven other cities, including Alexandria and Suez." The health ministry said at least three people were killed Sunday after one died Saturday, and the number of seriously injured grew to over 900. A makeshift field hospital the protesters had set up in a mosque near the square treated a steady stream of hundreds bloodied by birdshot and rubber bullets and recorded at least one of the fatalities. Despite the chaos, the military-led government said Sunday that it intended to go forward with parliamentary elections scheduled to begin in stages next Monday, though they will not be complete until March, and the military has said it intends to hold power until long after they finished. Canceling or postponing the elections would likely ignite an even larger revolt, with the Muslim Brotherhood, the Islamist group that is Egypt's largest and most disciplined political force, taking to the streets. A spectrum of political organizations, including the Brotherhood and the young liberal leaders of the original revolt against Mubarak, called Sunday for the military to commit to an accelerated schedule for handing over power to civilians, either to some imagined crisis government the lower House of Parliament, when it is seated early next year, or to a new president elected as soon as April. At least three prominent liberal parliamentary candidates in some parties declared that they were suspending their campaign because of the crisis. But the new revolt against interim military rule appeared even more spontaneous and less organized than the original uprising. There was no sign of leaders and few political movements present in the square, and it was hard to imagine with whom the military could negotiate if it chose to work out a handover of power. Quote, I saw the revolution being slain, so I had to come, said Ahmed Hamza. Forty-one, a lawyer watching the fray, like many in the square, he vowed to stay until the ruling military council committed to a swift exit from power. But also said he feared the generals welcomed the chaos as a pretext to cancel elections. In a television interview late Saturday night, General Mosin Fongere. A spokesman for the ruling military council promised a formal response the next day. He blamed demonstrators for igniting the violence, suggesting protesters were enemies of Egypt, and he hinted that unnamed satellite news channels, presumably Al Jazeera, had played a role. Quote, The youth are blinded to the reality of the situation, he said. That was kind of Spanish accent, but you know. Uh, Coming two days after the huge Islamist demonstration, and just more than a week before the first post-Mubarak parliamentary election, the outpouring of anger was the strongest rebuke yet to the military attempts to grant itself permanent governmental powers. And it was a reuniting of Islamist and liberal protest movements that had drifted apart since the early days of the uprising. This time, instead of chanting for the fall of Mr. Mubarak, the demonstrators were chanting for the fall of ruling military council that initially presented itself as the revolution's savior. The generals said to us, We are your partners, and we believe them, said Tarek Saeed, 55, a construction safety supervisor, who used a cane to walk amongst the boisterous crowds in the square. Then the next day, we find out they are partners with Mubarak, he added, calling the day a turning point for Egypt. The crowd only grew as state news media reports led that the military said it would step back from a blueprint it had laid out. This month, for a lasting political role under the new constitution, many of the protesters and some outside observers argued that the confrontation marked a significant setback to the military. The military council now feels that the political street will not accept that the military is going to hold the power for a long time, argued Mohammed Shakhri, a former Egyptian ambassador and veteran political insider. I think the military is going to reconsider the situation once more. After pleading to turn over military power to civilians by September, the military postponed the handover until after the ratification of a constitution and the election of a president, sometime in 2013 or later. Then, this month, the military-led government put in writing a set of ground rules for a constitution that would have given the military authority to intervene in civilian politics while protecting it from civilian oversight, setting off a firestorm. An extremely big mistake. Mr. Chakri said. Opposition to those guidelines brought the Muslim Brotherhood, the Islamist group, back to the streets in force Friday as part of a rally of tens of thousands of Islamists and a smaller contingent of liberals calling for the end of the military rule. In response, the military-led interim government announced Saturday morning that its constitutional guideline would no longer be binding only advisory. The government also revised the rules to say that the only role of the armed forces was protecting the country and preserving the unity rather than the broader writ to guard Egypt's constitutional legitimacy though personally I'm not entirely sure there's a difference between preserving the unity and guarding the constitutional legitimacy. That's just me. Many, especially Islamists, believed the phrase had granted the authority to intervene at will in the civilian government. In another bid to placate the protesters, the revisions also explicitly place the military under civilian government, like other state institutions. The next text declares the military should abide by the constitutional and legislative regulations. The President of the Republic is the Supreme Commander of the Armed Forces, and the Minister of Defense is the General Commander of the Armed Forces, the revised declaration said. Still, The military has not agreed to cede power once a parliament is elected or while the constitution is being drafted. Nor has it backed away from its right to set other nominating procedures for the constitutional draft committee or to impose other rules on the final text. That's the end of the article and all I can say is, didn't I fucking just call this a couple months ago? I seem to recall having this read this original against their president that they may not like what they're getting. They were so concerned with outing Mubarak that they didn't even think about who was going to be coming in to take his place. And look what they got. A military police state. And now they're raging against that military machine, demanding civilians take over, let this election happen, and and return the military back to its original state. Here's the funny thing, though. The military is what allowed them to oust Mubarak. It is the power, the authority of the military that they relied on in order to enact this change. And now they're trying to say, yeah, but in this next round, because elections are always fair and honest, we don't want the military to have the authority to come in and help us again. This is unbelievable. You were talking about society who has for its entirety lived under the reign of a dictator. Dictator. Uh, with Mubarak specifically, I think for 30 years, uh, maybe more. And this whole democratic idea that the world is really sort of uh, falling under lately is just that, an idea. People look to the United States as an example And what you don't realize is that we're a republic. We are not a democracy. There is a distinct difference. And added to that, we think corporations are people with voting authority and power. Is that the democracy you want? Seriously? Whenever America goes in and ousts a dictator and imposes democracy, it's never the brand of democracy that we have. Because we're a special case. And it's just so amazing that all of these third world countries and second world countries see the potential. We can be America! And you don't realize that, though I think America is amazing, it is far, far from perfect. We have our own genuine problems here. (laughs) And if you think military rule is the worst case scenario for your own country, you got another thing coming. Wait until your corporations start stepping in and having political power. Then you may understand where I'm coming from. And, you know, this is all coming from someone who's sitting at the safety of their home, uh, enjoying the the fruits of capitalism, and it's easy for me to sit here and just spout out my opinion. Well, yeah, that's true. (laughs) I'm quite fortunate. But I'll tell you this. There is truth to the idea that you get what you pay for, and when you oust your dictator with the aid of the military and then seemed surprised when the military that ousted the dictator wants to remain in power, I can just call you ignorant and be backed with fact. I can call you stupid and be backed with fact. Use your doggone heads, people. You cannot expect to make a deal with the devil And then get off scot-free. Chances are you're going to be burned. We as Americans, well, we're the great Satan. So we are quite aware of what we are capable of and the downsides of it. But there's a process in place. So... You're raging against your military power. That's great. That's your right as a human being, I suppose. Rage all you want. But I can't help but see some similarity in the Occupy Wall Street movement and this movement. In that, these rages against the machine, as it were, are getting you nothing. You're expressing yourself. Well, that's great if you're a kindergartner. That's what you're supposed to do, is express yourself. But you have a political machine in place that deals with situations like this. You're having a presidential election. So elect someone that you feel will change things. Or don't participate because you're just a cynic. Either way, stop being a flippin' martyr. I'm trying not to swear, but it just sounds stupid when I say flippin'. Stop trying to be a martyr. Own up, be a goddamn adult and participate in the political process, or don't. But when you stand in a park and you shout out at the authorities, you are, like I said last week, being a vampire to that society. You are not helping them at all. You are making it worse because of your own disgusting, selfish, idealistic behaviors. Look at the big picture here, people. If you want to be an individual, you wouldn't be involved in these little things anyway. If you're going to want to be part of the collective... Use the collective rules that have been set apart in the society you live in or get the fuck out of that society. It seems really simple to me, but for some reason, we as human beings make it so much more challenging. Again, it's easy for me to say, but that's what this show is all about. Let's move to the next one here. And this is actually from Los Angeles Times politics section. Lazy? Obama calls Americans hardest working people... On Earth by Peter Nicholas. And this was posted November 19th. Reporting from Bali, Indonesia. Does President Obama believe his countrymen are lazy? No, he does not. So he said in his weekly address delivered from Bali, Indonesia, where he wrapped up a nine day tour of the Asia Pacific. Americans, he said, are the hardest working people on Earth. That would seem the kind of benign throwaway line that speechwriters add without thinking. Why does it merit a second look? Some background. Last week, Obama gave an interview at the Asia-Pacific Economic Corporation, APEC, summit in Honolulu. In reply to a question about the need for more investment in the US, Obama said, We've gotten a little bit lazy, I think, over the last couple of decades. We've kind of taken for granted that people will want to come here and we aren't out there hungry, selling American and trying to attract new business into America. Republican presidential candidate Rick Perry released an ad that stripped out the context and zeroed in on the lazy part. That's what our president thinks is wrong with America? That Americans are lazy? said Perry, looking at the camera. No, he does not. Apart from praising American work habits, Obama used the address to bet that his constituents will outperform the rest of the world. We can compete against anybody, and we can win, he said. Alright, so that's actually the entirety of the article here. And I wanted to talk about this because uh, I do think Americans are lazy. I think Americans are entitled as a whole, bitches. And that may seem strange because I speak so highly of America at times. And I am actually a very proud American. But we are living in a society that has been... Okay, and and this is going to sound a little bit um, like I'm ripping off some other people. But it is this idea that I I hold firmly um, in my core here. Um, The baby boom generation has forced us to live in this bubble-wrapped participation award society everyone is special everyone deserves something from the greater mass of people uh, the greater country as a whole this this me 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 deserving entitled shitstorm world we live in that is the backbone of this occupy wall street movement in my opinion is what's wrong with America, and it's why I say that Americans are lazy, and if they weren't lazy, they wouldn't be standing, or or I should say on their backs, sleeping in a tent in a, a park in their local city, they would be out working, they would be out looking for a job, they would be making a job, whatever happened to that, start your own business, rather than relying on other people. Stop complaining about things and be an active participant in its solution as you see fit, meaning using the political processes established. I just mentioned this in the last article and it bears repeating again. Stop sucking dry the community that you're in. Stop complaining about how terrible things are. Stop complaining about how you feel so entitled that you deserve something more when you're doing nothing to gain it. Whatever happened to that idea of hard work and earning things? Now, I admit, like, the idea that Wall Street protests started under were, as I understand it, raging against the big bank bailout, and then those banks turning their backs on the American people and continuing as if business was as regular. That I understand, but what it's turned into are literally hipsters and weak human beings complaining about not getting a fair shot. If you can't get a fair shot here in America right now, with as bad as you think it is, go somewhere else and try to get a fair shot there. You think it's so bad here, how about you get your ass over to Cairo, See how hard it is to have a fair shot there. How about you stop relying on other people to grant you things, and you start doing it yourself. Get off your ass. Stand up. Be a proud human being. Make your own job if you can't find one. Clean up your resume and go find a job if that's what you want to do. Keep your nose to the grind and you will get it. But to expect people just to give you things, because... Well, when I was in Little League, everyone got an award. That's not the world we live in, and that's the consequence of teaching your children that everyone is special, and that everyone deserves an award, and that you should always wear helmets, and Darwinism is just this big made-up idea. No. (laughs) <laughs> there is exceptionalism out there. There are very powerful human beings, but chances are you're not one of them. And the sooner you come to terms with that, the sooner you can get out of those uh, city park squares and go find yourself a job and find what you are powerful at. Find out what you are really good at and work harder at it. Stop being so entitled. Stop being a prick. Get your doggone nose out of someone else's ass. Stand up and be a proud human being. Where's your self-respect? Seriously. Alright, I know that was a bit of a rant. Um, and I, when, I, when I'm saying things like this, I hope I'm not talking about you listeners. Uh, I imagine that you're probably a little more powerful than the herd. <laughs> if not a lot more powerful. But that's just, you know, when I, when I start on these things, that's just sort of the, the, I have to direct it at them. So, please take it in that light. Let's go ahead and take a short break. And on the other side, we're going to jump right into the creature feature segment with Warlock... Sonny Bellavance's Metal Invaders Interview. You know, dogs are different than cats, and hey, what if Jack Nicholson were a- Hey, what if We Are The World was sung by the cast of Friends? I think it might go something like this. Hi, everyone, I'm
0: Jay Leno. Anyone remember when I was funny? Eat Doritos.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Dane Cook. Are you fed up with comedy that's made for the masses? Sick of stand-up comedian hacks with the same old routines that you've heard a thousand times before? Equally tired of shock jocks who equate loudness with laughter? Hello, my name is Reverend Bill Am, creator and host of The Devil's Mischief, a show where every week I present a new hour of comedy and novelty of devilish proportions. So tune in to The Devil's Mischief. Visit devilsmischief.com or radiofreesatan.com to download the latest podcast. The Devil's Mischief, carnal comedy clips and netherworld novelty
0: numbers simply not made for the masses.
1: Prepare for incoming message. Prepare yourself for Deep Six Radio. Right. Right. I am Matt, host of Deep Six Radio. And I am Idris. Yes, we are. So if you want to be one of the six taking on the oh so lovely Idris. And want to be featured on the show Send your emails And MP3s To us at Deep6
0: At RadioFreeSatan.com Include a bio And anything you want mentioning on air We are open to any genre Apart from rap Deep6 also includes a fine selection of alternative rock As well
1: as multiple other genres So why not jump on the roller coaster?
0: That is Deep6 Radio
1: Deep6 is available on
0: RadioFreeSatan.com
1: And also iTunes a week later. We, we look, look forward to you joining us. us. End of the line.
0: down into Lambert's basement and join me Dave Ingram and eagle hello where we time travel via nostalgia to a golden age of big band swing and jazz only available on Radio Free Satan.
1: Dark, moon piercing the night. Through the trees, the damsel in distress comes, breaking through the underbrush, fear painted on her face. The darkness hunting her is near. She swamp, water slowing her escape. The creature nears, the damsel turns, hands rising to her sides as a last effort to thrust the creature back. Welcome to Creature Feature. Welcome to Creature Feature. Today I have a very special guest. I think this is actually the very last of the Radio Free Satan podcasters that I had to get a hold of. Warlock Sunny Bell Events from Metal Invaders. Also,
0: uh, even if I, I didn't have uh, done a show uh, lately, but uh, also with the, the Devil's Trill. Yes. Yeah. Very nice.
1: I wanted to talk to you about the podcast, but then, during my research for doing these interviews with you, I actually ran across The Devil's Guitar. Yeah. And holy shit, is this a kick-ass album. So I I also maybe wanted to touch briefly on that, if I could. Uh, You have so many admirers online, Uh, no matter which uh, individual I'm talking to, it seems they always uh, hold you in in really great, uh, really high regard. And oh, cool. uh, after buying the album and listening to it, uh, I know why. Yeah, you're a hell of an, uh, an artist.
0: Well, thank you, sir.
1: Uh, you're very welcome. Uh, before we start talking about the podcast and the music and everything, can you tell me a little bit about yourself?
0: Yeah, yeah. of course. Uh, a little about me. Um, yeah, I'm a man of almost uh, 37. I will be uh, the 19th of uh, November. I'm a father of two. Nice. I'm a French Canadian who uh, live in the provinces of uh, Quebec in Canada. Um, I'm working for a, an iron company, a big company. I'm driving train. I'm a welder. I'm a millwright. I'm operating a loader and more stuff. So, uh, yeah, I can say that uh, I, uh, I'm a multitask where I work. I'm also, also as you said, a musician. I play uh, classical guitar. I also play uh, electric guitar in bands of uh, death metal and jazz also. And I'm also uh, hosting two shows on Radio Free Satan. It's uh, Metal Invaders, as you said, and The Devil's Trill. And I'm also, um, since uh, 2008, a proud warlock in the Church of Satan. Yeah. That's so fantastic. It's, uh, a little uh, resume
1: so you just just your very nature you break some serious stereotypes uh, it yeah. sounds like you're I mean you're like the stereotypical blue collar hard-working man and you're the uh, delicate fingered uh, classical musician yeah
0: yeah no <laughs> <It's> strange <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's yeah. fantastic um, when did you first realize that you were a Satanist?
0: Well, um, I don't want to, uh, to sound too cliché here, but uh, I realized that uh, I was a Satanist uh, after reading and understood uh, the Satanic Bible by Anton LaVey. of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I say understood because uh, I had to uh, translate the book. Uh, and you know what? Uh, this is because of this working on the translation. Oh, of yeah. the book uh, that I now talk and write in English. Well, oh, this wow. is where this is where I start, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I realized uh, chaf- chapter after chapter that I, I was like what it was wi- written in the book. That I was born that way, in fact, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is where I realize, But this is something I knew without knowing the word to put on what I was.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When did you, uh, when did you formally join the Church of Satan?
0: Well, I joined, um, I joined in, in 1992. Um, Yeah, I joined the COS in 1992. It was a gift from me for my hated, uh, hating anniversary. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, because, uh, I was already writing to the Church of Satan uh, since I was uh, 16. Yeah. Nice. Yeah,
1: yeah. What What prompted you to to join the Church of Satan?
0: I wanted to, um, of course, to to be able to be in contact with others like mine, people at yeah. that time. But it was also um, a way to to encourage the the Church of Satan, yeah.
1: So how about we move a little bit into the podcasting side of things. What influenced you to start podcasting just in general?
0: I was DJ at school for a couple of years, and I was being uh, passionate by the the journalist side of the radio. But mm, evidently, the the main reason is Radio Free Satan. I felt in love with some of the show on on that radio. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, and I thought it it would be cool if I could do the same work at those DJs. Yeah, I, I really love what they were what they were doing there. Yeah.
1: What were some of the shows you really liked?
0: Yeah, no, the first one that came to mind it's um there was there were two, The Devil's Mischief and uh TV Metal Memories by uh of Paradise. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I actually I I didn't I really start listening to radio free satan uh until um you know quite recently actually but i I had been aware of it back then and i, I kind of wish that I would have heard some of those beginning uh podcasts uh, I think yeah. it's always nice be, because we think of these as as individual podcasts, but cumulatively they they define what Radio Free Satan is to their audience. And mm-hmm. it's sort of like the cast of Saturday Night Live, for example. People define Saturday Night Live by the casts that they grew up with or the cast members that they enjoyed. So that colors the entire network on the podcasts that you liked at the time, and that's how you imagine Radio Free Satan to be. And, uh, you know, ho- hopefully we're doing justice to it nowadays uh, compared to, you know, how it was when many of us uh, first fell in love with it. But, it, you know, I just think it's always interesting to to... And, and I would love to be able to have a window into those days of the early RFS and see how it was and, and how it developed, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. But I still have. Um, yeah, I was recording every every uh, episode of Heavy Metal Memories. Yeah, I still. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I still listen to
1: that, yeah. Oh, What's wow. Up? You still actually have them. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what drew you to the type of um, podcast shows that you do?
0: Definitely my my love for these two genres of music, you know, the metal and the classical. Mm -hmm. Just to share what I love to listen to with other people, yeah.
1: What are some of your favorite um, metal bands? Oh,
0: there is a lot, but I I still love uh, King Diamond. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, King Diamond is one of my favorite Um, and uh, I really like also uh, Morbid Angel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, all the old stuff uh, also like uh, the old Venom, the old Slayer, the old uh, Metallica. Yeah. Yeah. But there, there is a lot that I love. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Let me ask you something, and and this is sort of just opinion based here. Yeah. Do you think I don't I don't in my experience. And I got to admit, I don't have my finger on the pulse of the metal community like I did when I was a teenager. Do you think metal is really dying? I mean, when we when we think of fantastic bands, we think of how they were. You know, we don't think of any current ones. At least I don't. Do you know of any modern uh, metal bands that you would put on par with maybe the early ones that you had mentioned? Oh,
0: um, yeah, that's just, uh, that's a great question. Um from the new band, I, I like the I don't know if it's old or if it's new, but uh I think the black metal genre has uh, evolved in a way that I love like uh, the band like uh Dimmu Borgir or Cradle of Field, I really like those stuff, but I don't, like I said, I don't know if I can say that they are new or not.
1: Yeah, yeah I phil uh, been around for a while.
0: Yeah, but I still, you know, you, you were saying that we talk in the past you know, with mm-hmm. almost those bands, but I think uh band like Alice Cooper still are still doing, uh, you know, the same great music that they were doing. In the, in the beginning Yeah, that's true But it's it, it's my
1: opinion, so <laughs> No, that's good You've been podcasting for a while When did you first start? What year did you first start podcasting again?
0: You mean at uh, Radio Free Satan?
1: Yes, sorry
0: I believe it's four years Four years ago I started But but I started podcasting with Radio Free Satan When it it became um, It was owned by a Witch 9 Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it's four years ago, but it could be more than that. Yeah.
1: How did you decide on the name of uh, of your shows? I mean, it, it seems pretty self evident, but you know, sometimes people have stories associated with the names that they choose. So let's let's say uh, the Devil's Trill first. What what inspired that? Was that a heritage name that you chose? Someone already had it, or is that something that you made up?
0: Oh, it's only. Uh... I choose. I choose from pieces that could, you know, uh, that first a name that uh, could, you know, catch your attention. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I thought the Devil's Trails came to mind uh, very fast. So uh, yeah, the Devil's Trails. Only that it's, it's a piece that. It was inspiring me. And uh, as for uh, Metal Invaders, it came from me. Another, there is no big story there. I just yeah, yeah. pick up from the <laughs> Halloween sound, you know?
1: Yeah, Metal no, Invaders,
0: great. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, could you tell me about the format of your show? Do you run it as if it were like an actual like radio show? Or do you pretty much let the music speak for itself, lining it up back to back?
0: Yeah, uh, most of the time I will, you know, uh, at first I was um, talking much more when there was no uh, interview uh, in my show. But, uh, yeah, I prefer uh, playing music and just make music speak for uh, for the show, yeah. But when I do the interview, uh, the, this is the moment where I can... You know, speak because uh, as as I said, my primary language is is in English. So uh, I don't know if uh, if it could sound boring, you know, to, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think so. well, to to hear the accent, all the time. So uh, yeah, no, I prefer to. Uh, both of the Devil's trills and Metal Inverters are show of uh, where I present music first. So uh, people. Maybe, maybe, are not interested in hearing you know someone speaking all the time, so uh, yeah, I prefer to uh, to announce uh, the the song that that will play that on the show and uh, play it, so uh, <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I wonder, do you, have you ever considered just speaking French during your show and just running the entire show like that? Y-
0: yeah, 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 I consider that, but. It will be, uh, I wanted to uh, to have the show in, in English first, so uh, it would be a double of work, you know, to translate it, or just talk both languages in, in the show. I don't think I, I would like that format, so I, I choose English, yeah.
1: And I know, you know, the American listeners appreciate it, <laughs> but, I mean you know this is your your passion that you're putting out there and it's yeah. uh, you know I, I don't think it's incumbent upon you to to have to change it if you if you if you're not comfortable with it but it seems like you are i think people would listen to you um because of the the music that you're putting out there even if it wasn't french you know
0: ah okay yeah yeah, yeah i know yeah i I've, I've got a a lot of french a uh, friend French who doesn't you know speak or understand uh, English, but they they're still listening to the show anyway. Yeah, yeah even to the the interview. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. Well, let me let me talk about the um, the future of your shows. And and you had mentioned that you do uh, interviews on the occasion for Metal Invaders. Have you ever considered doing interviews for The Devil's Trill?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You read my mind. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thought about doing interview with a classical musician, but you know the only thing, you know, uh, classical music is more technical. You know, yeah. there is more, and if I want, if I wanted to to do a, a great interview and uh, be at my best. Uh, I believe I should not interview people in classical music because <laughs> my English, my English uh, is, it, is not uh, good that much to go there. So, uh, no, uh, I will continue to uh, only play music there. But uh, who knows? Uh, someday, uh, I I could. I don't know. But uh, not now. I'm yeah. not ready. Oh,
1: that's uh, all right. But it, is there is there anything that, any other directions you would like your podcasts to develop into? Uh, how would you like them to evolve in the future, if at all?
0: Yeah, um, what I would like to to see, it's um, seeing more and bigger celebrity being interviewed and uh, continue to play great music, of course. Yeah. And, yeah, I would like to uh, continue to do with... Uh, the same in- energy that I put currently. But uh, seeing more and more uh, interesting interview, yeah. But it's, I, I like it that way anyway, so I, I hope you, you do also.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Is because, Radio Free Satan the only place that people can find your podcasts?
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't uh, – yeah, I belong to Radio Free Satan, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I appear in, uh, I've done an interview with uh, Mr. Uh, David Arias for the Sadness today, but uh, the show doesn't exist no more, so. Uh, and, no, I've I always been on Radio Free Satan, and
1: I think I've, I will stay here. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good home. So do you ever take recommendations for your shows, or do you have sort of um, a format in in your mind that you already want to do? and so you just sort of roll with that
0: no i'm really open to a uh, recommendation yeah and um i do ask uh, people from time to time in, in the show to uh, send them but uh no there is no there is not much uh demand so uh yeah but uh, if you have any recommendation do it uh send me a word and i will play your music of course yeah
1: how can they send you recommendations? Uh, what's the best way people can reach you online?
0: The best way is to... Uh, there is a face Facebook page for uh, Metal Invaders, so uh, go looking uh, on that page and uh, send me a message there, or go looking on Radio Free Satan. Uh, and uh, just uh, send me an email there. There is a link there, so... Uh,
1: yeah. So you talked about your... your uh, high school or college days with the radio station um what were those podcasts like were they also or, i mean what were those radio uh, features like were they also music primarily
0: yeah th- i was playing music but uh it was in french so uh yeah i talk a little bit more uh when i was uh and it was it was uh between the the, the course so uh yeah i talk and uh uh, pass the, the ad that the direction of the institution want me to uh, to pass along. So there was no liberty, if I can say that. Oh, really? uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Every uh, if, if I wanted to play, uh, you know, uh, a piece by Slayer, uh, for example, uh, the the professor there, I have to check out all the lyric and uh, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. it was difficult.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was really good. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> well, I can see why you like doing this, because obviously the freedom part of it, uh, being able to play what you yeah. want. Um, Absolutely. And, and the fact that you have an audience that really appreciates it and, and uh, you know wants to hear the type of music that you want to play is always nice, too, I imagine. Yeah. I would also like to talk to you about your music. Um, what inspired you to become a musician?
0: Well, um... My father's uh, was, he is still a, a guitarist. Uh, you know, I was surrounded by music at home, so it was, it was uh, natural for me. I didn't wake up one morning and say, hey, I should play music. You know, <laughs> I, I was already <laughs> playing music. I just, I just go with what I, I had. And I had this, this talent of playing guitar and composing music. Yeah, yeah. That's very That's, cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Outside of um, the devil's guitar, are are you working out of? Are you working on more music? Are you composing more?
0: Yes, yes. I I, I always working on on music uh, when I have the time because now I put more time on my guitar. But beside the guitar, I compose. uh, I'm into uh, a a suit for orchestra and. uh, other uh, musical duet. Uh, I'm doing a lot of, you know, I uh, I have chicago with uh, flute, and uh, yeah. I like to, yeah, yeah, I'm doing doing that that kind of stuff, yeah, sometime and sometime I post it on the on the different, um, you know, uh, social uh, website, you like Facebook or uh, I, I, I'm almost of the time now on Facebook my my space has, has been put a little bit uh, beside yeah, but yeah. yeah I'm working uh, yeah so for orchestra it's a big project you know because uh, you have all this instrument in, 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 for is that going instru- to be the
1: next album that you release
0: I don't think I don't think I'm going to I don't know but I don't think I'm going to put that for sale I'm, I will just share it you know
1: yeah, and I guess I mean that sort of speaks to the the, the type of individual because or the type of musician. Uh, a lot of people initially get into music, hopefully because they have a passion for it, and the the money is sort of a secondary, if not just an added bonus to that. And I think there are you know different types of musicians where you you know you have that musician that's just passionate, and then you have that musician that's doing it because they want to be famous, or you know, it's really sort of the MTV generation deal. And it's always nice <laughs> to run into musicians that are very much passionate about the music, and maybe even at some part of it, um, slaves to the music that drive inside of them to create that 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 composition. You know, I think. I think you might be one of those types when did you first write the devil's guitar what, what was the genesis behind the devil's guitar
0: well um i start uh without knowing it uh, the guitars the, the devil's guitar i started uh, f- well i was uh f- fuck I was maybe thirteen yeah um uh, I was inspired to create the devil's guitar f- because I had some of these composition down when I was younger. Uh, yes, there were, I was uh, already titled my pieces of "Satan's Prelude" and uh, <laughs> "Invention for Lucifer." <laughs> and uh, when I was asked to appear on a on a tribute album for Anton Lavie, yeah. uh, I composed a piece spe- uh, specifically for, for this one. I thought after that that it could be a great achievement to do you know the the really first classical guitar album dedicated to the devils mm-hmm. uh, so I seized the, this uh, this opportunity to do to be the the first one to do it to do this so uh um I pick up these old pieces uh in my paper it was uh yeah yeah I have to uh to to search for this and then I came back on this and uh yeah so I do a I have done an album with all those pieces and there was new pieces in that and there was old pieces.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well listening it um first to last track it is it is amazing. I mean you you really are a skilled musician and anyone out there who has not yet picked up the devil's guitar you really do need to if you if you at all uh, appreciate classical music or spanish guitar sound um it is it is very nice it's, it's really beautiful and it's one of those albums that you can just sort of have if you want to have time to yourself and just reflect on your life um i find that the devil's guitar is perfect for that just turn it on sit back and relax close your eyes and think um it's beautiful music do you have a favorite thank track uh, from that album?
0: Yeah. Um, first, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for the no. compliments. Sir. It's really appreciated. Um, uh, I, I really love uh, Invocation to Pan and Demon, but um, I would say my favorite is still uh, Dr. Lavey's walls. Mm. Just because I like to... Uh, you know, I like to imagine uh, Anton Levy dancing <laughs> to, uh, on my pieces, you know? Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah uh, I will say uh, Dr. LaVey was, yeah.
1: Do you have any plans for another um, guitar album in the future?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm currently, uh, <clears throat> and this, since a few years now, uh, working on a, a new album. Um, you know, the only i will say bad critic, but it's not bad critic. the only critique i had with the devil's guitar was that you know that album was way too short so uh for the second one i want i want this one to be much longer yeah i have i have almost finished to polish the pieces i've learned so uh there is a you know there, there there is pieces by Back, uh, and uh, Scarletty and much more uh, this album will be uh, half composition with half uh, interpretation so it may be it may have uh, 14 pieces on this one Whoa. It's, yeah yeah it's a long and rough project let, let me tell you do you have I any want- um,
1: estimated time you're going to release it
0: yeah, at first I, I, want to, uh, I wanted to, to, to release the album in November yeah, for my birthday, but it, it will not be possible. So yeah. um, I will try for the debut of the new year. So, uh, But, you know, uh, I want to take my time this time and uh, try to give you the best uh, with uh, a lot of more stuff on this one. So, uh, yeah, it's going to go, it's, it's going to be released uh, next year, next year, yeah.
1: Well, I will certainly be picking it up as soon as it is released. Um, if, if The Devil's Guitar is any indication of what to expect, uh, this is going to be an amazing album. Um, Sonny, thank you. thank you so much for joining me. I really do appreciate your time, and I, I recognize you, you have a, a limited amount of it, so it, it is very appreciated.
0: Uh, sir, you are most welcome first, and uh, it was a real pleasure to do this. And uh, anytime you you want to do this again, uh, just call me up and uh, I will take the time. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what, as
1: soon as you release this new album, I would love to have you on and maybe talk about some of the tracks specifically and uh, maybe play us a couple.
0: Yeah, 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 we'll do this And uh, we'll keep you updated, sir So, uh, yeah, I, I could do this, yeah
1: That'd be great um, Until then, hail Satan
0: Hail Satan, sir
1: And now, from Stunny Bill Events The Devil's Guitar Dr. LeVay's Waltz <laughs> Bizarre of the Bizarre. Bizarre of the Bizarre. Finally we're getting to another one of these bad boys. Alright, so this one is a little bit sick and twisted and disgusting. And I guess maybe that's kind of what the Bizarre of the Bizarre is all about, right? The line between loving your animal and bestiality. Now this actually came to me when I was... uh, I don't know if you're going to remember or not. A couple weeks ago, I had FXT on the show, and we talked about his music and his album and everything. Uh, He came over, and I believe uh, I had barbecued some hot dogs. I was making a batch of beer, if memory serves. And we just were kind of bullshitting about a lot of different things, and this came up, the idea of animals and, and their, their masters, <laughs> and we just thought it was really funny and quirky and weird, so I thought I should bring it here to you. Okay, so here it is. I feel like there's a line, I mean, as a society, we look at things like bestiality and we're just like, ugh! No, 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 that is not okay. Human beings cannot have sexual relations with animals. However, if you think of of, of sexuality in terms of affection between human beings. We do things with each other that are not overtly sexual but are very sexual in nature. Um, Meaning we kiss and we hug and we touch and we feel and it's really great. But then when you go to someone's house and they have animals, some of these animal owners are doing the same things. Now, Like I said they're not overtly being sexual about it. But how long until rubbing a dog's belly is a little weird? How long does it take for a dog to lick the inside of your mouth before it becomes a little weird? Because I have seen that activity in, in, in animal owners where they just hold the dog up and they're like, oh, you go, oh, and the dog's all licking their face and they're like, oh, and then their mouth is open and the tongue's in their mouth. Like, I, I don't. Think that's okay behavior. Uh, I actually have met people who, when their dog starts humping their leg, they're just like, just let him finish. I, I don't think so. The dog is fucking your leg right now. And I don't know if you understand the implications that lie in that action of just letting them do it. But you're fucking the dog. The dog is fucking you. That, that is not okay. That, there, there's no line in accepted human behavior where that is okay letting a dog lick your mouth what are you doing there you're literally making out with your dog now you see it as the dog is just being this cute little animal he's just showing a little bit of affection you're participating in that affection if you were to do that to another human being that's called making out is that okay do you go up to a, a good friend of yours and you start scratching their belly do you do that and how long do you do that if you do I've never met anyone that scratches another human being's belly. But, however, it seems to be okay to go up to a human, or I'm sorry, to go up to an animal and just start scratching their belly and rubbing the belly and scratching their back. It's not okay. I mean, okay, you're going to scratch your dog. I don't care. Do your thing. And and all of this, if if you do that, I don't care. That's your thing. That's none of my damn business. I'm just saying it's a bit bestial. Uh, (laughs) So I think there is a line. Scratching a belly, I'm going to give you a pass on. Having the dog lick your mouth, no, no, that's bestiality. You're making out with the dog. That is called first base. And do you know why they're called bases? Because there's four of them and the last one's home and that's where you're fucking. So you may be okay going to first base with your dog or your cat or whatever animal you have in your house that you're doing this with, Uh but I'm not. And certainly I don't think the whole of humanity is. Um, going to any base is the, literally, it is the game of getting to home, meaning you get to first base so that you can get to the home base, so that you can have sex. You only do that with people, not your animals, so please, people, understand that when you're with other people and you're making out with your dog, oh yeah, the dog is just giving you kisses, you know, rationalize it however you want, um... You're literally in the first of a four-step process of fucking your dog in front of other people. And when you let your dog hump your leg, you're literally letting letting your dog go home base with you. You are letting your dog fuck you. And in that light, I think maybe it's a little bit more disgusting than you're letting it seem. Oh, he's just finishing on your leg. Eh, That's fucking sick, dude. Like, seriously. That's sick. Um, (laughs) I love animals, but I don't... Love animals. <laughs> do you catch my meaning there? Okay, so there is definitely a line. If 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 at any time an activity with a human being is considered sexual, and you do that same activity with an animal, that's bestiality. You may say it's not quite there, or it's on the line of being there, or you're just being cute, or the dog doesn't have intent and understanding, but you do. You do. And you're the one that counts in this case because you're the responsible human being looking after the animal. You are taking advantage of a poor creature. Like, just stop. Take take a step back and realize that... <laughs> sexuality is a very human, human thing. And it is a very integral, important part of us as human beings. And it's important for animals, too. But you don't cross that line. So just because you're a pet owner doesn't give you that right. You're abusing that animal if you're doing these things, in my opinion. And that's where I'm going to leave it. So <laughs> next time you're petting your, your, or you're scratching your dog's belly, uh, you know, think of that. Think, uh, maybe I should uh, stop now because it's getting a little weird. hey I'm just saying if you're not going to do it to a human being because it's too overtly sexual why are you doing it to your animal huh? and that's going to be it for another show I hope you enjoyed it (laughs) I would love to hear from you Visit the website 9centspodcast.com And send your correspondence To info At 9centspodcast.com Let me know Of any suggestions Critiques Corrections Or general comments You might have You can visit The Satan Net Facebook Google Plus Twitter Or MySpace page For 9cents And get updated On weekly topics Listen to the show At RadioFreeSatan.com Or download the show Monday nights Via my RSS feed Found at 9centspodcast.com You can also Subscribe via iTunes By searching 9cents And if you do don't forget to leave a rating or comment if you'd like to learn more about the church of satan visit churchofsatan.com and if you'd like to hear other fine satanic voices music or personalities visit radiofreesatan.com an online streaming radio station once again thank you for joining me and as always i'm your host adam campbell and until next week hail satan